Hello once again, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Ryan Rails Back podcast. The episode today is with my friend Adriana Fury, and we met at a Psych K facilitation um, workshop. And immediately when I heard her story and her journey into a healing path, it was so inspiring and so motivating around just strength and resilience. And right away, I knew I wanted to do a podcast episode with her because her story is so eye opening and just really goes to show again when you have faith in yourself and you keep pushing forward and you look outside of the box even if it seems like things are falling apart and they aren't going your way you can always find a way and adriana happened to find a mode of healing with bee venom therapy which is it's just such an amazing story and i can't wait for you to hear it. So please feel free to give her a follow on Instagram. Um, She does her own one-on-one sessions with uh, Psych K and is always talking about natural modes of healing um, and really goes into her perspective around bee venom therapy and just the power that it's given back to her. Um, so yeah, her social media is linked in the show description. Feel free to let us know what you thought of this episode on Instagram. Shoot us a DM. Let us know what resonated with you. And I hope you enjoy listening to this. So, yeah, why don't we just start on you breaking down your story and the events that you've been through over the last however many years, you know, when your um, sickness started and how, you know, basically what that was exactly and kind of the things that kick-started your journey into finding a healing modality and and your journey through the different healing modalities kind of like along the way right so that's definitely a loaded question um with everything that i've tried but i'll start with introducing myself like you said i'm adriana fury and i'm from orlando florida um born and raised i was or I am a holistic health and mindset coach. Um, And that I ended up getting into that through my own journey, um, which really started around 2011 when I went away to college. Um, I had driven up to Washington, D.C., and um, my mom was with me, dropped me off, and I was what I thought would be, you know, 
something I was so excited for, um, you know, living in a new place. And I had really worked hard to go to school where I wanted to go and um, start the learning process of that was really kind of a blur. And my body and my brain completely shut down when I arrived, probably about a week into it. I felt like I was in a, in a total fog, but the main things that it was, it was really, I just couldn't ignore what my body was going through anymore. Um, my, a few examples would just be like my first day of class. I couldn't read a page. I was having trouble writing. I had severe word loss. I could really not even um, stand up in a stand upright for long periods of time in a light filled room. And it's funny because at the time, I kind of thought it was my normal, um, which is crazy to think. But I really like when I look back, I really per- like pushed and pushed and pushed through that. So and I ended up everything kind of shut down and my immune system was just completely disoriented. So I ended up calling my mom. Um, she knew something was seriously up. Um, with just the way I was in that state. And I ended up coming home back to Orlando and seeing um, my, the first doctor I saw who has actually stayed with me through this whole decade and has become a great friend and mentor. Um, he's a, an integrated medicine doctor, but it, it was about two months. I think we were going from doctor to doctor and over the course of this whole journey, um, that took it was it's been about a decade long now um and it was it took me on a completely different path than I had envisioned for myself but we probably saw and my mom was my advocate at the time we probably saw upwards of 75 doctors and healers and um anyone who was could give us some insight into why I wasn't getting better and why the treatments would work for a little while and then fail. Um, my mom was a psychologist. I came from a strong medical, traditional medical family. My dad, well, my dad was a chiropractor. Uh, my grandparents, uh, my grandfather was an OBGYN, lots of nurses. So we had a good understanding of that medical system, but it was failing me in the way that um, we were told to uh, follow these diagnoses of uh, chronic Lyme disease was the main one. And, and we kind of focused on that for a while because it was very misunderstood. Um, I had autoimmune encephalitis, which was severe brain inflammation. Um, and saw a lot of specific doctors for those specialties. Um, but when I look back on it now, it was really just a label for um a lot of imbalances and and it was I had to take a whole very holistic approach um, because my physical body was so weak um, so I guess that to get it kind of started that's <laughs> where we began and I can kind of take you on a journey through that if you have any specific questions for that yeah so had you felt those symptoms before you went off to college? Had there, had there kind of been um, red flags per se um, as you were growing up, as you were a child and you kind of just like pushed through them? It was like kind of maybe bouts of different viruses or whatever. So yeah, did it, did it first show up when you went to college or was it kind of lingering there before? 
Yeah. So there were a lot of red flags. <laughs> um, and I've had a lot of time to reflect on this. So I, if I were to answer you now, I would say it was, I really, since I was born, I had a lot of immune issues that I was always told, but um, kind of just thought it was my normal again. Um, and yeah, so there's, there's theories that I could have, you know, been born like that, but also um, little triggers throughout my life. So the main one before college was I got my wisdom teeth out that summer and that triggered a lot of neurological issues for me. Um, things that I had never totally dealt with, but that summer leading up to college, I was not myself and I was sleeping insane amounts, um, which I kind of talked up to the college lifestyle of, you know, going out and drinking and doing whatever everyone was doing, <laughs> which my body did not like that, but, uh, but it was still resilient in the sense of I should have been bouncing back, but I was not. So yes, I had, I also was diagnosed with Epstein-Barr before college. Um, and the, I just thought that I would need to take better care of myself and sleep more. And that was kind of what I went into it with, but it just got progressively worse. Okay. Gotcha. So, mm -hmm. so then you, had there been history of anything like this in your family or in like your genetics or anything like that? No, not in terms of, of neuro, like of Lyme disease or, you know, infectious disease. Um, when I got tested, my mom actually did as well. And she tested positive um, when she was, and, and was very sick during her pregnancy with me. So I have a lot of reason, you know, to think that that kind of contributed to a weak, weaker immune system. Um, but it's really hard to kind of pinpoint uh, with Lyme and, and, and there's much more reliable tests now, but to me, Lyme is, is a, um, I think there's a spiritual component to a lot of the people I've met who have suffered like I have for long periods of time. Um, and I think that obviously there's a physical component, but what the treatment that works for someone may not work for another. So that was why I was exploring all of these different modalities because it would allow me a little bit of relief, but then I would relapse any time um, there was a stressor or, you know, anything out of my control. And it really kind of um, kept me in this like bubble for a long time. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And I was just talking with someone yesterday about how stress is a 99% of the time is a main trigger for a lot of different types of sicknesses um, and how it kind of just like sits down there in the shadows and, 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 yeah. and, and kind of hides itself. Like you said, as you get relief from certain things and then one thing could trigger that stress again and it just kind of in flames and it just lights everything up again. Um, and so yeah. like, what, what was the kind of the, not turning point, but point where you were getting all of these treatments uh, from the traditional medical system and you were realizing, you know, this, this isn't helping in the way that I'd like it to help. 
I am going to pursue a holistic and spiritual approach to these healing modalities. What was that turning point and what was the first uh, modality that you, that you went to? Okay. Um, there were many, many rock bottoms. <laughs> um, and, and that would just kind of result in, so I originally started with the traditional antibiotics. Um, and for, they were pretty intense. I was getting IVs and, and they ended up making me even more sick than I started. <laughs> um, I would just like, it would just suck the light out, life out of you. Um, so I knew that was not the answer after a certain period of weeks or months. Um, but that was what we were being told by all of these doctors was the way. And, and now I know if you have chronic Lyme, antibiotics are not going to help, are not going to help you. It's really, if you see the tick bite and, and actively know, you know, you know, you have the infection, that's the only time that they are really effective. So that was a learning experience. And in 2011, it wasn't as well um, studied or we were just experimenting. And, and luckily now there's social media and, and things where people can find these alternative therapies. But I had to really dig for any information around how to help myself and my mom as well. Um, so, you know, I did that. I did um, rounds of ozone, all of the things that were being suggested. I did hyperbaric oxygen chambers. I was really willing to try anything. And I, I felt really blessed to have the support to be able to do that because a lot of people do not. So I, I, it was almost my mission to figure this out for, for myself and then hopefully can pass that along to people. So um, anytime I would relapse it, I think I was coming at it from a different point of view because I realized that this wasn't going away. <laughs> like I thought I would just return to college and I did return the following year, but it was the same cycle. I made it a semester and, and I knew it, my body was screaming at me. Like that was not what I was to be doing at that time. It felt like, so um, there was a lot of, uh, you know, being stuck in, in bed for that long, like losing a lot of function, being able to, you know, cook for yourself, bathe for yourself, um, just things that you, you take for granted. I, I really had to sit with my thoughts and, and, and silence and, and I can't really pinpoint like what was the catalyst of like what got me to explore all of these things. I just kind of did it cause I was in survival mode. Um, so there was a lot of like forced meditation. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I didn't call it a certain thing, but I think um, what just popped to mind as well was I worked with an Ayurvedic doctor um, when after I had done a lot of those really toxic treatments um, that a couple really almost killed me. And I felt like I, um, I needed to detox all of that stuff out of my body. I was like, I was being handed these like, handfuls of pills and I just I looked I was like I'm not touching one more pill like I'm not putting anything else in my body um like that was when I really like took back control of my body I think and because I was too sick to care before and um I did a week-long panchakarma treatment um in my in this 
this doctor's home and he he had studied in India and I was just like we pull I remember pulling up in a wheelchair to his house with my mom and we just like laughed at each other like are we really doing this right now <laughs> but uh it really that really uh I will say brought a ton of inflammation down in my body and allowed my brain to like breathe and think for itself and I think that probably started like a more serious journey in this direction that's so cool so um ayurvedic is like an ancient form of Mm -hmm. medicine practice right with all natural vitamins and and supplements and and basically nature's pharmacy kind of and and so it's like the natural um way of healing and so what it sounds like is like with the traditional medical system and they were giving you all of these uh things to kind of put in your body and pills and whatever it was it was seemed it was heavily focused a perspective around like the physicalness of your body and the physicalness of you know your immune system and things like that and it kind of like you said filled your body with with toxins and these different things and then it was almost like this ayurvedic uh practice and uh ceremony whatever name it was yeah. but, um, that's their their form of uh detoxification okay so it, like it almost had to then detox your body on the physical side to then prepare you for the journey forward yeah. That then started revolving more around metaphysical. Uh, was no, it no, I would say that's more so now. Um, oh, okay. Like it led me, I would say in terms of physical healing, that kind of got me on a different path. I went okay. to school for integrative nutrition um, and really became passionate about a plant-based diet or plant-based lifestyle. I, I would say Ayurveda taught me about a lifestyle and how People have lived this way for thousands of years and, and were able to um, nourish and support themselves and their immune system. So um, that really, you know, a plant-based diet helped tremendously focusing on whole foods and anti-inflammatory um, fruits and vegetables, you know, alkalinity, alkalinity that kind of thing. Um, but it never, all of these things, like, never fully I was never fully myself and able to work and go to school and function like all of my all my friends were going through this period of their 20s where it was you know I would always just be trying to make it to the next event just to see them so it was never like um I was really just looking for for answers and and trying to find a baseline where I was not in survival mode so (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I would say that that was the main uh, takeaway from the physical component of it. Okay, cool. And then so like, you did the Ayurvedic thing. And, and so where did that kind of lead you then from there? So it was a series of many relapses. Um, but I guess I'll fast forward to just recently these past couple years um in may of 2019 i believe 
I ended up starting bee venom therapy. And that was introduced to me by my doctor. Um, he had told me about it earlier on, but I couldn't really wrap my head around stinging myself bees for three years. At the time, I thought I was going to, you know, go back and live a normal life, <laughs> whatever normal is. Uh, but I was pretty desperate. And I had, that was probably my ninth relapse. And I was, in bed unable to really like pick my head up off pillow. it was it was a dark time and I was willing to try anything so I ended up researching the bees for a while and was meant uh met a few mentors who had healed themselves um and if you want to look up the, the woman who created the protocol for Lyme her name is Ellie Lobel and she was actually attacked by killer bees and she, she was kind of on her deathbed with Lyme for years and years, many different autoimmune and uh, her organs were failing. She was attacked and, and uh, that should have killed her in itself. But they ended up clearing her brain, her neurological function to a point where she could think for herself again. And this woman um, had a... I don't know. I think she finished college at 18. She was brilliant. Like her mind was there, but um, she ended up, she was a guinea pig for this protocol for Lyme and researched the, the exact amount of venom that was beneficial and not too harmful to the body, but not too little to the, the bacterial infection, which is Borrelia, the Lyme bacteria. So I started researching her and a few other women who had, healed and um there it was it's a diy protocol so you use the live bee and um at the time i was too weak to do it myself so my family members would take turns stinging me and it really saved my life it, it's pretty um wild to think but my my brain cleared i was stringing sentences together i was you know because I was in bed for so long, I had to really like rehabilitate my muscles and everything. And um, each week I would, you know, like be able to make a meal for myself or I had to like um, reintegrate like conversation with even with people coming to my house. I was in this dark room just needing, I had to have quiet. It was um, that process. But I, I would say within like 10 months, I was, fully functioning and you're ready to like live life again like my normal adventurous self so yeah um yeah <laughs> that's, that's the bees yeah. <laughs> the bees the bees coming to save the day that's yeah. amazing that i i mean this is the first time i'm hearing the full scope of your story but about uh what'd you say her name was ellie labelle yes ellie labelle and we'll we'll link to some of her things in the in the show description if anybody wants to uh, check that out. But the fact that bees attacked her and then she found a solution yeah. from that, like talk about divine intervention. That's exactly. like, it's like <laughs> sending the bees into like, okay, this modality, the spirit of this modality needs to manifest in the, in the world right now. That's so yeah. crazy. <laughs> and I think it's cool because bees, um, bee venom therapy is not new. Um, and I think some people think that it was a coincidence that that happened, but they've used that for thousands of years as well. Like you can see on rocks, there's um, in, in old pictures, like they have 
people's bodies being stung with bees and as a form of medicine. So it, it was popularized by Ellie for Lyme disease specifically because she found um, a way to, to do that. But um, people use it for RA, for MS, it's being studied for cancer. It's, it's a really powerful medicine when used properly. And also the product of, of the beehive, which is called apotherapy as a whole. Um, and even those, if you know, some people don't want to commit to stinging themselves with bees, for that long but um when you're desperate you'll you'll do whatever it takes so i i recommend sometimes people starting with just um there's bee pollen there's propolis um honey's amazing royal jelly so there's a lot of different uses for those specific products so cool so mm-hmm. cool so did you you started feeling when you started doing the bee venom injection you started feeling the results right away. Was it like an immediate thing um, where you were like, whoa, like I'm, I'm feeling like I'm getting pieces of my strength back? Yeah, it was pretty immediate for me because of where I started. I was so, you know, at a, at a low point. Um, and that's not the case for everyone. I think everyone's different. Um, but yeah, I would say 10 months it took to really get full function back but within a few weeks I was I was definitely noticing some relief in, in terms of pain and and um, it's an adjustment it's not it's definitely not an easy uh, protocol like you have to really commit to it but the the da- I mean the benefit really outweighed any downside so um, I would say about a year in there what, what bee venom does is it brings the infection acute. Um, so a lot of times with Lyme treatments, people will relapse because they, the, whatever you're using doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier where these infections can live. So for me, the symptoms were very neurological and, and it couldn't access that part of my brain. But there's a component in bee venom called melatonin, and that really busted through these biofilms that that can come out whenever your immune system is under stress um, or the infection can. So um, I use, or what was I? I use that um, for, well, it's a two to three year protocol. So around the one year mark, um, I kind of had a resurfacing of symptoms where everything had gone and I had an amazing 10 months. So it kind of hit me hard, like, oh no, am I relapsing again? But really it was, the symptoms were less severe, more, than, more so than anything I had ever tried. And um, it was more so like my physical body had really strengthened, but it brought up a ton of mental and um, just a lot of emotional, like some of that trauma that I went through with all of the things I had previously tried. So that was actually um, what brought me more into the spiritual side of things because I, I was realizing how much I had recovered, but also how much I needed to do to kind of get past this chapter of my life. Um, so that was, and that was where I actually, or just this year is when I really dove into that. And, and I met you at the um, psyche training, which was kind of the other um, avenue I took to really fully gain function back. Yeah, that's so, so it was like the, 
as you said, like the B venom really helped with kind of like the physical symptoms, but then you notice that the other component of kind of like maintaining health and sustainability was lying in the, in the spiritual and kind of like holistic metaphysical side of things. Right. Yeah. I, um, the, the way I found, um, say K actually where we met, um, was, a lot of um, study of the subconscious mind and how powerful, because I, I had always been, I learned a, a, a meditative practice that worked for myself. And, and I knew there was kind of like a missing piece there because I, I could really feel some of that fear and trauma living in my body. Um, and I came across, um, actually a lot of people had recommended say K to me. I wouldn't say a lot, but I kept hearing it and I kept seeing it and I kind of had to follow it. Um, and I found Bruce Lipton's book, The Biology of Belief, which has become pretty popular in that world. Um, and it just clicked to me how um, the subconscious is such an important part of healing. And, and that's really what runs our nervous system, our physiology, um, our belief system, our thoughts, attitudes. Um, emotions and which really affects our cells so to me it was a no-brainer that I and a chronic illness can really um, really cause a lot of limiting beliefs about your your capabilities and just not being able to do a basic task for myself when otherwise like before this I had a lot more confidence in in what I was going to do in the world and and what I could bring to the table, but all of that was stripped. So I needed to really look at that and see um, what was underneath the surface. And Psyche was the quickest way for me to do that. I did some hypnosis um, when I, during that time because I was really suffering in that sense of there was just a lot of emotions coming up. And it was helpful, but I found Psyche to be just a, a powerful tool um, spiritually, but also psychologically, and and how that affects your chemistry and and your your um, genes because of how powerful the that environment is. Yeah, that's. It seems almost like the subconscious is where we store the habits that we hold on to around our identity, and mm -hmm. then we're doing everything to reinforce those habits and those stories and those beliefs around our identity. So even if we heal something on a, a, a surface level, a conscious level, because the conscious level is essentially the surface level, yeah. uh, the subconscious dictates like it runs like 95% of our, our decision-making and our, our reality where I'm not wild. <laughs> yeah, where the conscious yeah. mind is like five percent and here we are, you know, our our ego minds thinking like we understand everything from this conscious level and we're so yeah. aware all the time. But it's the pro it's like the, the supercomputer essentially, the program of mm -hmm. our of ourself. And so do you feel like going through those the the sickness um those beliefs and stories kind of became embedded in your subconscious around like thinking that that was your identity and so the second 
stress would show up or uh, a, a feeling of, of weakness coming back up to the surface, it would kind of like ignite that story again and it would try to reinforce that aspect of identity. Absolutely. And um, the one thing I learned about the subconscious mind is there's three ways to reprogram it. And one is um, hypnosis. So you either guided or self-hypnosis. What, and that's in a, a different brainwave state. Uh, the second is repetition. So like you said, in those, that repetition of the relapses that I went through really reinforced a lot of those limiting beliefs for me. And then the third is energy psychology or psyche. Um, so, you know, I think it's amazing that we can essentially reprogram this, uh, you know, like you update your computer or your iPhone we need to be doing that with our brains. <laughs> so <laughs> when I learned that, it just blew my mind. I was like, everyone needs to know this. <laughs> so that was actually, that was what led me to do, uh, become a psyche facilitator and really explore this further. And it's really not only transformed my health, but it's transformed every area of my life. So it's powerful stuff. Yeah, it's, I can contest to that being very, the same for me, what I've experienced. And we mm -hmm. did a short session before this. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's very powerful and you can feel it. You can feel the energy uplift, leave your body. You can feel the kind of sense of relief around certain belief structures and the alignment of energy around it. Um, mm -hmm. And so back to the bee venom real quick. Yeah. Uh, how, what does that physical process look like? Like the process of injecting yourself with the bee venom? Mm -hmm. So you use the live bee um, because of the, it's, it's made up of different peptides and enzymes. So if you were to extract that into say um, like a drug or an injection or whatever, it would lose the, the medicine, which I think is pretty cool because it really brings you back to nature and, and, it can't be capitalized on it you know we were given bees and and a lot of people do have the thing well does the bee die and yes it does but um a bee's life cycle is only about six weeks and the amount of bees that that the hive will produce in a day is almost the amount i would need for this three-year-long protocol of stinging myself so it's pretty um neat in the sense of that I actually became a beekeeper through this process and I'm able to um, help the bee population, but also they've saved my life. So it's a small amount and I do 10 stings three times a week um, every other day. So it, um, it took me a little while to, to ramp up to that amount, um, but your body really does adapt. And at first they would kind of, swell up on my you do it along your spine because your nervous system runs along your spine um but now when i sing they go down within um maybe 30 minutes and um and then on the days that you're not stinging you detox the venom and and what it's brought up so um it's really just being consistent with detox and then all you really need is the bees and um there's a few other things to do it safely that uh, you just follow the protocol for so it's, it's relatively cheap compared to all of the other options out there we've i just would love to you know save people going through that because it can do a lot of um 
damaged financially for sure. Absolutely. Um, And to what you were saying about, you know, people asking, well, does the bee die? Yes, it does. Um, But in this relationship, you are one able to help them and Mm -hmm. they are able to help you. And, you know, it's, it's like you're honoring the bee. You're honoring, you're, you're doing all of this in, in reverence, in full respect of the consciousness of the bee, the consciousness of nature, the energy that it brings you, the healing that it brings you, and you're doing it in gratitude and in Mm -hmm. love. And by putting that into the process and it's, and then in turn putting in action to help the bees as well. It's like, it's the full relationship aspect of it. And your, yeah, just the fact that you show up to it in love and in gratitude, that is what runs the world and this universe. And so, yeah, I think that the biggest thing is that like the honoring aspect of it mm-hmm. and the honoring of the consciousness of, of the bee and of that animal. Yeah, it's a huge part of it. And, and um, I, yeah, I think just being in that state of gratitude and, and um, I think it's cool that bees actually vibrate on the vibration of love. It's like five to eight hertz. I found that pretty interesting. But you really, when you're even being around the hive, you really feel that elevated vibration. And and every time I sting, like in the beginning, I was just focused on on the sting itself, the pain of it. Um, but it really strengthens your mind. And and when I find it burning, I just say, you know, almost like a mantra. I say, thank you, thank you. And and that's really where the healing is with anything you're using it's just the the intention and the the energy behind it is so powerful like just telling yourself that you've healed even if you're not there yet it's it's reinforcing that within your chemistry so that's just my take on it (laughs) no absolutely i mean i would say that gratitude is the highest almost the highest form of vibration it is it is love and having the gratitude for that you're literally emitting that frequency toward whatever your gratitude you're you're grateful for um but so what did that process then look like once you uh started tending to a hive of your own and how you you show up to be a a beekeeper essentially now yeah, so it was kind of organic, um, just that I needed bees. <laughs> um, I originally got them shipped from uh, a place in California that provides people doing the treatment. And um, I just, you know, it, it kind of crossed my mind that it would be cool to learn, because I was learning so much about bees in general. I never thought I'd be this crazy bee lady, but <laughs> here we are. Uh, but yeah, so I ended up doing it because I figured I have another year, well, at the time, two more years of stinging. Um, and there was a, a beekeeper in my area who I became friends with, and he has kind of mentored me through the process. Um, it's relatively simple, but it's more so learning about the bees and, and their cycles and what to look for. 
Um, so I actually, yeah, you know, if you have a yard it's, it's, and someone who knows what they're doing, there's really not a lot of maintenance. It's more so just keeping up with the seasons and what to look for in terms of them swarming and, and um, yeah, you can, you can do honey, but it's just, it depends on what your intention is with it. So mine was just kind of to give back to the bees and, and um, I would, I think there's like 30 to 50,000 in, in the hive that he started, helped start me with. So it's just a learning process as you go and um, I'm still on it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so is the goal is basically like after however long you have, uh, like you're aiming to not have to do it Yeah. more, right? Yeah. I have about a year left of, of the treatment. Okay. And, and what does like the process of the stinging look like? Like, do you, <laughs> do you hold the bee with like a special kind of like tweezer or something? Yeah. Put it on your skin or... Yeah, so I have about 10, well, I do 10 stings every session. So I have um, those like straight edge tweezers. You kind of grab them by a leg and I have a little hut I can keep them in when I go get them from the hive. Um, but when I sting or when you, when you catch them by the leg, I usually position them on their, uh, catch them with one pair of tweezers and then I position them on their like middle body so that the stinger is facing you. Okay. And you can also use your hand. You would just put the stinger against your fingernail so it doesn't sting your finger. I've been stung many times on my finger. <laughs> it's not a, a glamorous process like learning how to do it. You just have to practice. Yeah. So um, now I just sting myself in the mirror. I, I've gotten you know flexible with it, but it, it just takes a little learning and, and learning some bees are a little more active than others, so you just have to be patient. <laughs> yeah, uh, get get to know the bees, the individual yeah. personalities. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's interesting that you said that they vibrate at the frequency mm -hmm. of love, and I've actually heard that beekeepers have the highest life expectancy every job out of every possibility mm -hmm. and so that says something that says something about yeah. being it, being literally in mm -hmm. that that frequency and the the connection between the actual energetic vibration that is mm -hmm. going on yeah there's actually there's a lot undiscovered about the components of bee venom itself um but there's more and more we're learning and I think there's definitely that that frequency component, and I think that it's a powerful immune modulator. Um, it was like a reset for my immune system, and it's antibacterial, antiviral, antiparasitic. Um, you name it, like different enzymes and and peptides, proteins. It's really got a lot of healing power in there. Yeah. So. What would you say to someone who, you know, asks and inquires about the idea that bees are going extinct? How do we, how do we save the bees? What can, a, what can a person think about, have in their awareness, have conversations about, mm -hmm. if they feel called to it, take action towards being a piece of that, mm -hmm. of that journey of you know bringing uh the awareness and and kind of 
life back to to bees. Right. I would say just first start educating yourself about bees in general. Um, the how how much they pollinate our food sources, and without bees, we wouldn't have most of the food that we eat. <laughs> um, I think pesticides are a huge issue. So looking at ways you can support local farmers that don't use pesticides and because when they spray those that bees can forage for miles at a time so that's a lot of what's contributing to the the bee population declining and um and really just you know if you have a backyard and are interested in bees and keeping maybe making your own honey um, or harvesting your own honey, that's an option. Um, so it's really just caring for them and, and supporting their population and, um, you know, spreading that knowledge when you've acquired it onto someone else, I think. Yeah. I love it. I love yeah. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so at the point when you were introduced to, to Site K, um, how did that affect like like what what was it about it that showed you like oh this is i'm feeling really called to this like i'm feeling really called from the way that i've experienced it to learn more about it and to be able to use it to help myself further and and then help other people mm-hmm. um well i experienced it myself and it was pretty in a, in a pretty immediate shift. Um, I did a session with your friend, actually, who we connected on. But um, I would say, to be honest, it, it was kind of something I couldn't describe, like this pull towards it. And, and even in the sense of how I've been to these multiple trainings since, um, it it was just this drive, like I need to learn more about this um, and applying it in my own life and, and, and seeing that and then wanting other people to experience that. So it's not something I can really pinpoint, but I just had this crazy energy to go forward with it and I did. So I'm glad I followed it. <laughs> it was calling you in. <laughs> yeah. Um, so looking back in hindsight from all of from the journey you went through to all of this like i have a couple kind of questions around your perspective around it but like what would you say to people who are not even necessarily you know directly experiencing the uh sickness uh, that you experienced, but people that are going through similar things of feeling symptoms of being diagnosed with things of, of using a, a traditional medical system, not seeing the results they want, you know, like what, what pieces, what piece of advice or pieces of advice do you have for, for people who are going through that? Mm-hmm. I would say my main mission and the thing that I keep coming back to is to really empower yourself and and just recognize that we all have this innate healing power within us and it's really for me it was it was stripping back the layers of the things that I had been told um was the way to heal or 
or was brought up with. Um, and none of, none of that is bad or, or to judge, but it's just being aware, you know, getting quiet with yourself and being aware of what you feel is best for your body. Um, and it, it's, it's hard to make space for that. Um, it took me many years to get confident in that and to learn to, to say no and to create, um, you know, healthy boundaries for my own energy. Um, and I find a lot of people who, who are struggling with these mystery symptoms or, um, whatever it might be. I think that, um, it's, it's a more energy sensitive type. And I never realized like how, even from a young age, I always felt things very deeply and I, and I kind of shielded myself in, in not so healthy ways around it. Cause I was just, that's, you know, that's what you do when you're learning how you work. But I think it's about really strengthening your own energy and, um, and how powerful that can be when you show up in the world and, and contributes to your own um, vitality and, and just balance within your, your mind and your body. There's such a connection there. So I would say to really get quiet and, and just take small steps, like take that next step of something you're called towards. And you'd be amazed at how many people are willing to guide you on that journey there there were so many amazing people I learned from um when I kept taking those steps and and um asked for help and and just um you know was where I was like I wasn't trying to force when I stopped trying to force anything yeah yeah definitely I I think what you said about understanding how innate our own healing power is uh within Mm -hmm. ourselves and trusting that we have the capabilities to get quiet to listen Mm -hmm. to our intuition um to say you know i see you fear uh, but move to the side i i you know i need to listen to myself and i think we're we're very conditioned around being dependent on um external systems and other people to kind of tell us what's best for us but nobody has your answers more than you do and anybody that helps you along the journey they there are obviously external resources and people that will help you but they're reflections they're reflections of showing you what what is already built in inside of you um and i think that's huge to remember absolutely and i think it's good getting into this place of of taking full responsibility for anything in your life, whether it's sickness or relationships, um, you know, not wanting, not being where you want to be in your career. It's just looking at it and realizing that you have the power to create what you want to see. And it may not be overnight, but it's taking those small steps through fear and pushing out of your comfort zone. Um, Like for example, today I've never done a podcast and I, I was interested to see what the experience would be like. So it's just, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't always come naturally, but I think you have to explore those things. And I'm glad I did it. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you did it too. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. It's the growth edge and the growth edge is mixed with a little bit of fear and a little bit of excitement. And it's a little bit of, it's the unknown. It's, it's, Let's see what happens here. Removing expectations, removing uh, the control around outcome and just 
letting yourself do your thing and find your way through it. You know, I still, I still get uncomfortable as I'm, as I'm starting podcasts and I feel kind of rigid about it. But as soon as it starts, I, I then kind of get in the flow and get more in the like, Oh, okay. Everything's fine. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter if I perceive myself to be talking awkward or things like like it is what it is. It doesn't matter. Like, (laughs) absolutely. And I think it becomes so much more fun when you just like lean into that and, um, and just watch how it, it ripples out into the world. Like you starting your podcast has, you know, intrigued me and into what, what that would be like. I would never have thought to be like, Oh, let's, you know, let's have a conversation and record it. So uh, it's just funny how it works like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so starting that journey, you were very sick. Um, how did the perspective uh, switch from beginning to where you are now, looking back in hindsight around, you know, like kind of the fear perspective of, oh no, what's happening in my life? Mm-hmm. What is, what is going to come of this? Um, maybe trying to place certain labels on it of like, you know, I this is happening to me, different things like that versus kind of seeing where it's led you and how it's allowed you to understand your own power. And now you're helping others understand their own power and you're, you're fully stepping into the being of service to others as well. And it's almost like you feel like this path was your your divine purpose and it's, it's led you into the role and your mission that you have here. Yeah. It's nothing I could have planned because I still look back and I'm just like, huh, you know, it's just, (laughs) it's funny. Like, yeah, there's no one particular moment where I was like, I'm going to do this. But I think that it was more so looking at what I didn't want and I didn't want to be, the sick girl victim. I didn't want to be this label of Lyme disease. I didn't want to be the one who was like, yeah, I just wanted to like realize my full potential. And I knew it was not that. So I think it was getting honest with that. And and it was really uncomfortable. Um, But just taking one step, the opposite direction of that. And and I, and you don't really know where it's going to go, but I would also say, um, just this year alone, um, just saying yes to those things that really felt right on an, on an intuitive level and, and strength. I had a long time to really strengthen that intuition when I was in that silence for so long. Um, and, and it was excruciating at the time, but it, it, it showed me a lot about how I personally function and how I want to show up in the world or like the purpose of why I'm even here because there were a lot of, um, yeah, to be, to be quite honest, it was just not wanting to be here anymore. So (laughs) I would say that was the catalyst of if I'm, you know, going to fight for it to be here for my loved ones and, and I got to make something of this. So, yeah. I think the simple switch of, and sometimes it's really difficult to remind yourself of this in the moment when you're going through certain experiences, but, you know, removing the why is 
oh, this is happening to me versus this is happening for me in whatever way I might not be able to understand yet. But that simple replacement of the word of just, it, it's all happening for us. It's all happening for us to understand our own healing power, to step into our intuitive communication and into our heart and, and yeah, just really find the possibilities of what this could things could bring and experiences could bring and decide what possibilities we want to pursue and what we want to manifest because we are the the co-creators of our reality and we can choose in Absolutely. every single moment. Yep. It's pretty amazing when that when it starts to click and um you realize how you yeah, how you perceive things. And, and I think when you allow that space for things to come up of things that you don't necessarily like, um, you see the repetitive nature of things and, and you can focus in on a thought that you're having um, on the subconscious level. And, and sometimes we're not aware of it, but I think just that awareness and, and curiosity about what's there can really point you in the, in the next step of, of how you want to shift that. And um, for me, that was huge in facing those fears. And, and, you know, I had identified what was there, but I didn't know how to reprogram it. And that's where Psyche came in for me or any kind of subconscious work is, is really um, what kind of aligns that conscious knowing with um, the next action you want to take. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I always say, Fear is the compass. <laughs> fear, yeah. you, fear. If if there's a wall of fear somewhere, it's saying, "Run at me, yeah. <laughs> come at me right now." Because on the other side of me is freedom. Is freedom right. from me, the compass that is showing you the direction to pursue. But um, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, so why don't you let people know where they can find you online? Um, I don't. Are you offering one-on-one uh, -on -one Psych K sessions now? Yeah, I'm pretty um, booked up through the end of the year, um, just with the holidays coming up. But you can find me at Something Healing on Instagram. I post mostly, um, you know, any resources there about bee venom therapy, um, the subconscious mind, plant-based living. And um, I have a website coming soon, so I will be offering more sessions to people and also um, a free guide to bee venom therapy because there are a lot of questions that come up around that and it's not a simple answer. Yeah. So I'm hoping to uh, make that available to people. And also there's a lot of other resources out there um, that you can find on my page if you're looking for more support with that. Awesome. And I'll make sure to link to your Instagram in the show description. And then once your website is ready, I'll throw that in there too. But yeah, this was so much fun. Thank I you know. so much for just being vulnerable around your story and sharing it. And yeah, I, I had a blast talking to you about everything. Yes, me too. Thank you for pushing me to do it. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so thanks again. We'll definitely do it again soon. And awesome. uh, I'm excited to see what the future brings. Me too. And good luck with everything you've got going on. Yeah, thanks. You too.